Good day to one, good day to all. It is another fine Saturday morning. It's actually not, it's actually a Tuesday night for JMJ Missions. I am Anthony. I'm, I'm <laughs> I am Daniel Palmieri, your host. I'm, see, I'm, I'm trying so hard to be British that I... You have to talk that way the whole time now. No, I can't do that. I was on a, I've been listening to Mumford & Sons a lot. Random kick. And, uh, but they don't even sound like that when they sing. Yeah, but they, they, you know, they do sound more British than most British people sound while singing i think they're obsessed Soon. with being british like they probably have like the uk flag all over their apartments <laughs> well i love their sound it has like a british folk music sound what are we talking about yeah now? but it's, it's like jmj missions it's a podcast <laughs> we'll talk about this later <laughs> it's another session where we're happy you've joined us to to listen in um i am daniel palmieri your host followed by anthony mccullough and rocco tarabarelli co-hosts co-founders tri-founders whatever you want to call it we are jmj missions uh, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, we are on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. You can look it up. We are uh, on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on TikTok. And we have a nice website where you can look up all these things uh, and our podcast. So our website's jamesjmissions.com. If you want to support us, please check out um, Anchor. And there's ways to support us that way. We cannot do it without your financial and spiritual, of course, more importantly, help. So with that said... Another another fine fine evening or whenever you're listening to it morning afternoon, uh, Anthony. Uh, before we get to our overall subject, which is a typical like religious person stereotypes, I guess you can call it. What is the small talk? Okay, so we're all gonna have to answer for things that we've done. So, what are some of the kind of funniest or most embarrassing things that you've done? Things that won't separate you from God forever. But just things that might add to your purgatory time that are kind of like silly or just kind of embarrassing. One thing that we always used to do growing up, um, us three and our friend Ryan in Venezuela, um, we always used to come up with these situations where we would pretend someone was the only one in the room, and we would, we would, we would just poke fun. We would single them out and poke fun at them. Now they could be talking to somebody. Now imagine looking at someone talking to someone and they're the only one in the room. <laughs> or maybe they're trying to squeeze through like a, a like a tight space like a desk and a and a couch or something and they like they like wiggle. It's it's hard to picture without the visual, visuals. But if you could kind of picture it in your head, it's actually it was pretty messed up that we did that. We would <laughs> yeah. single them out. And, and make say, fun of them. Yeah, we say pretend there's no one else in the pretend room. Pretend there's right only now. one in the room. So we but would we would be laughing things. at the fact that they could be the only lonely person in the room, <laughs> having a conversation these, with themselves because having a conversation with themselves, doing these kind of <laughs> actions, and it was just messed up. Yeah. It, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't. It was fun it wasn't though. Right to do. And that. actually, I forgot about that, and I would like it was to do funny. that again. It was funny, but yeah. I would say if if I had to, which side, holy or not holy definitely inclined towards being not, <laughs> not holy. holy we had we had some hilarious moments though i remember yeah. there's one kid dave remember at lunch <laughs> we would just say pretend he's the only person in the room we just pretend he's just in there sitting in the cafeteria by himself talking yeah. to anyone and, and dave knew that we did this yeah <laughs> so we'd all just be staring at him laughing and then from down the table he would look over at us and go are you guys pretending that i'm like the only person in the room again and we'd be like yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that. That was a good, good time. This funny, might be funny why it things. took us a long time to get girlfriends. Yes, in high probably. <laughs> yeah. Although you had a girlfriend that. at the time, I yeah, a pretty that's popular true. I, girl I too. A popular yeah. girl, Whoops. which is. <laughs> but you know, me and Rock, on the other hand. <laughs> nope. <laughs> thank God! Thank God! I'm happily married now. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you'd be out of luck. I'd be out of luck. 
Uh, do you want to go or you want me to go? You can go. Okay, so this is really embarrassing. And I, I feel bad. When I think about this, I still feel sad about it to this day. <laughs> Shortly after my conversion experience, uh, I spent a lot of time at the church. Um, I was actually a youth minister. And there was a young adult volunteer who actually, she had a crush on me uh, for a little while. Uh, she, she liked me. She told people that she did. And um, she, um, <laughs> she made me brownies one time for uh, my birthday. So at the end of the meeting, it's like 9.30 at night. She's like, oh, I made you brownies. I know your birthday's coming. I said, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. I mean, this is such a nice gesture from a girl that kind of liked me. I was like, oh, this is so nice. Thank you so much for the brownies, you know. She gives me the brownies, and I put them in the back of my car because I had to take people home. So I just put them in the back seat. Uh, it was a cold just night. Threw them back there. I, just, I, I chucked them in the back seat. Well, I placed actually. I was. I, it was a very nice gesture. I placed them lovingly on the back seat. <laughs> oh, is that what you did? I did. I placed them lovingly on the back seat. Did you buckle them up? No, I did not buckle them up. But I placed them lovingly on the back seat, and I drove home, and I dropped off the, the kids I was dropping off from the meeting, and then I went inside and completely forgot about them. Uh, totally forgot about that they even existed. Um, I don't know. It was late at night. Wasn't thinking about it. 10, 10 o'clock, 10.30, and I went inside. So I'm one of those people that where, like, I don't check the backseat of my car for things ever. Like, I get in my car. I go where I need to be. I mean, I didn't have kids, obviously, at the time. I have one child now. It obviously did not exist. It wasn't even close to existing then. And what I did was I went back to the meeting about two weeks later. Might have been even three weeks later. Oh, no. And she, and she was there. And... um. She, we were talking for a little bit. She goes, oh, can you please give me a ride home tonight? I wasn't able to get a ride home. I don't think she had a car yet or whatever. I said, oh, yeah, sure. I'll give you a ride home. No problem. So uh, <laughs> she gets in the car. Uh, and then another kid says, oh, I need a ride home too. I said, okay, okay. So one got in my front seat and she gets in my back seat. <laughs> and um, as she's getting out of the car, she looks over next to her and she goes, all right, see you, Dan. I said, I'll see you. And she goes, Oh look, my brownies! <laughs> what did you say? And then yeah, I, you got to be pretty quick with that. I receipt. was yeah. not quick at all. I was absolutely shell shocked because uh-huh. I had forgotten about them too because they were yeah. under like you know. A but they didn't—they didn't leave like a scent in your car. Or anything? I guess no, because cold. they were very, very. It was yeah. very cold and they were very nicely wrapped, mm-hmm. very perfectly wrapped by her. So they did not leave a scent. Oh, wow. They were just brownies. So it was not she like really you know. took the time and it, made that with love. She and made care. it with love and ter- care <laughs> yeah, and tenderness, and I absolutely just completely forgot about them, and I felt. So when she said that, I was like, <gasps> you know, my stomach absolutely sank into my foot. Did she ever make you more brownies after that? She never made me more brownies again, and I don't think she liked me after that either. Um, and I don't blame That's her rough. in any I don't way. I don't, I don't blame her. Yeah. Uh, so that was really rough. And yes, when I die, the Lord's going to have to look me in the eyes <laughs> and probably play that scene and say, you want to explain yourself here? And I'm not going to have anything to say back to him. I'm just going to be like, yeah, like that. That was. But, yep, yep. but, if I may, what if it was purely an accident? You didn't do anything willingly against your conscience. <sighs> okay, so being totally honest with you, I think I will have that going for me. I could say, look, I had no evil intentions there. I had no. <laughs> but however, it also shows a total ingratitude. I don't have to like this girl back, but she did a very nice deed for me, and I had so much on my mind that I didn't make it a priority to remember that. If she was more of a priority, or not to you know, even be a f- better friend of hers or anything, but just, just as a, a human decency, if she's more of a priority, I would have taken them in. I would have eaten them. I would have thanked her. I would have texted her for it later. And I just completely forgot. So I do think I'm going to get some points deducted for total thanklessness on that, even okay. though there was no negative intentions. I don't think I'd go to hell. For, I don't think it's mortal. Obviously <laughs> no, if that's, that's a mortal, if that's sin, mortal, I'm, I'm in yeah, bad we're, shape. We're, a lot of people are in, <laughs> in pretty big trouble. And, 
God's pretty mean, <laughs> and God's not mean. But what? I, but um, there's definitely some uh, some points off for that. You know, yeah. definitely uh, no extra credit for me on that test. No. <laughs> <laughs> and go ahead. So, as you guys know, when I was younger, I didn't really care about my faith. So maybe this—that's what I can say if God ever asks me about this. I think I was a junior or a senior in high school, and I was eating lunch with both of you guys because we've been lifelong friends. And it was a Friday, and it was Lent. And honestly, I didn't even know what Lent was. I didn't know that it was like the, the preparation <laughs> yeah. for like Jesus' probably, death on the cross. You probably like, thought it meant like to borrow something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I had no clue. Yeah. What, How what, old did you say you were? I was like probably 17, 17 yeah. max 18. So this is about at least two or three years before our conversion yeah. experience. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So, but I knew that you're not supposed to have meat on Fridays, and I knew that in Lent you're supposed to give things up. So I remember I used to give up popcorn because I never ate it anyway. So I was like, oh, let's give up popcorn. Like that's that's my that's my sacrifice to the Lord. And then sometimes I would eat it anyway. <laughs> um, so it was a Friday, and my high school used to have these really good uh, chicken sandwiches. So I was really excited, and I got this big chicken sandwich. And then I sat down at the table, and Rock and Dan were like, "Aunt, what are you doing? It's Friday." I was like, yeah. So, and they said, "You can't have meat." And I said, "It's not meat. It's poultry." And then. <laughs> Rock was pretty adamant about the fact that it was still meat. So I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and then took like a juicy bite. Like a, like a really, <laughs> oh, yeah, you went all like a really that. big, like bigger than average bite. And then just kept on eating my sandwich. But if God asked me about this, I can say like, like, look, God, I wouldn't say that, but I would <laughs> look, say like, God, you're going to have to understand. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have to answer yeah. for that. What I just said, <laughs> um, but I'll just say, like, you know, I didn't really get it yet. Now I get it. It's true. I'll never forget it. I still remember to this day the look on your face. We just looked, shrugged your shoulders. You <laughs> yeah. kind of did a half smile, just took a huge yeah. bite. That was actually very funny. Wrong, but very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. You know, it's funny. The last... Um, two podcasts we've really been roasting ourselves here mm-hmm. but you know that's a good I thing think people like to to see that or to hear that yeah it's funny it, definitely because we need to be humble Keeps things light exactly and we have to be real and i'm not gonna spoil it for anybody but that is one of the topics we're going to be talking about when we speak about catholic stereotypes in just a few minutes but in order to get there you're gonna have to wait about seven or eight more seconds for our small music time music break and nice. we love that new song that we're just popping in there so we hope you vibe to it as well take a quick break all right and the topic for today is wait it's a good thing we're friends or those like 10 seconds would be really awkward yeah that's true <laughs> as we always say um like we put the music in after the fact obviously like we don't, we don't just... hear it as we're speaking right so <laughs> the last seven or eight nice vibing music seconds that you just experienced <laughs> we just um, kind of stared at each other we literally just stare at each other we just kind of smile and make faces yeah. and you know and hopefully yep. none of it us is laugh what it is. yeah it is what it is <laughs> all right today's topic is I don't know if I should call this Catholic stereotypes or religious person stereotypes, but we were trying to think of a topic. And actually, my wife was like, hey, why don't you talk about the common stereotypes that people think about religious people? You know, like, oh, all religious people do this or all religious people are that. You know, there's a lot of stereotypes out there that keep um, lukewarm Catholics from coming back or lukewarm Christians in general from practicing their faith with with fire, as I like to say. And there's also a lot of stereotypes, a lot of um, just judgmental assumptions that people on the outside of the faith that are atheists or just don't practice any religion or agnostic or whatever that they have in their minds. When they think of, oh, that person's super Catholic or oh, that person's super Christian, there's just all kinds of um, judgmental or assumptive th- thoughts. Is assumptive a word? I 
don't think so. But you made it work. Well, you know what it means by assumptive. So (laughs) assumptions, assuming, right? Assuming thoughts that people will um, have thinking of, you know, when you, the the typical uh, Christian person or Catholic person or super religious person, some may be valid. Some are probably not valid. So what we're going to do is take four typical uh, stereotypes that you hear about Christians or devout Catholics from non-Christians or non-Catholics, and we're going to break them down so that, if especially if you, the listener, are not very much into your faith, um, you're you're kind of on the fence and you have these stereotypes, maybe we this, you know, this conversation can help you out and um, kind of help you break down, help us, um, what am I saying? Help, help you kind of like be aware of it and not to take take these things with a grain of salt if you meet people like this uh, perfect exactly mm-hmm. all right so i'll give you the four stereotypes and you guys can explain um whether or not it's true and how we can overcome each one if it is true or even if it's not true how to avoid it all right number one the first catholic or religious person stereotype that you hear is that devout christians or devout catholics are quote unquote holier than thou you know, uh, we think we're better than people. We think we're holier than people. That, that as soon as um, we see someone that's not practicing the faith the right way, we're going to judge them. We're going to think we're better than them in our mind, and then we're always trying to put on that persona of being better than other people or looking holy. Um, is this true? I think that if someone is authentically Catholic, they themselves don't think that they're holier than thou. And if they that's do, that's big-time yeah. pride, Yeah, the huge pride. Yeah. But other people who aren't really into this so much, if they know that you are into it, they'll assume that you think that you're holier than them. Um, so I've actually had many people, you know, I've been you know, at lunch, at college, or in various places, and if, if the content of the conversation isn't exactly holy, um, sometimes, this happened to me many times, People will look at me and say, like, oh, Anthony, cover your ears for this next part. Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, yeah. the, they'll say the next part yeah, of the I've conversation. And, like, they're not trying to, like, destroy me. Yeah. But I'm just kind of like, come on. I don't, you, I don't care. Like, you can just talk. Like, right. it's fine. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It, almost sometimes when they say to the religious person or if there's a priest in the room or a deacon or, or someone who's mm-hmm. faithful, when they say, oh, cover your ears, almost sometimes it seems like their own conscience is kind of calling out That's to them. That's true. Yeah. It, could be, it could be a bit of the Holy Spirit within them. Right. Like, yeah. And it's not like you're ever doing anything to point the finger at them. Yeah, like, no, never be like you're being like your authentic, true self, and you're prudent. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. and I think I think if you did if you pointed the finger at them, then that would warrant them saying that. But oh, for like, sure. I think the best thing you could be is 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 authentic and 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 very prudent. Mm-hmm. Like you're not just going to always be condemning them or judging them that they didn't do this yeah. or that. Yeah. So you do know? you think that there are Catholics who do point the finger? Yeah. So actually, I do agree with you guys. I think that. A vast majority of devout Catholics are not as judgmental as the world says they are. As you said, if you're a true, authentic Catholic, the closer you get to God, the more you realize that you're a sinner, that you need God's love, that everyone needs God's forgiveness. You need Christ. You know, you need confession. You need the sacraments. That's the only way we could be good is through Jesus' help. So a true, authentic Catholic, and the, the really devout ones will know this and will be aware of it, is never judgmental. When you see people sinning, when you hear of things that uh, totally go against church teaching, of course you stand up for what's right, and you know, and you obviously notice when things are wrong, but you never notice it or uh, come down on anybody with a prideful sense that you're better or that you know this whole world's just you know so evil. And you know, in a certain sense, the world is pretty evil right now. Uh, but it's never in this judgmental or snobby tone because you know that yourself you need it as well. However, Aunt, your question was: Are there some out there like that? Unfortunately. 
like I said, nowhere near as many as people think, I believe, but there are some Catholics out there, Christians that do have that mentality, and you're right, they're going about it the wrong way. I mm-hmm. have met some some Christians, some Catholics, devout people at church that were very judgmental. Um, they they kind of know that everyone needs a savior, but they just say it almost to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, of course we have to be humble about things, and of course we all need Jesus. But they they but like in the back of their minds, you know, they're thinking, oh, you know, some people need him a lot more than I do. You right. Know? But mm-hmm. really, you're never you're never supposed to have that kind of sentiment towards yeah. anybody. And and also, the closer you get to God, the better you'll be at knowing when you should say something to someone mm-hmm. and when you shouldn't. Prudence. Yeah. Like it, yeah, exactly. Prudence, one of the cardinal virtues. So. Like if if one of you guys was doing were doing something really dumb, like I would say something. But if you guys were just some people on the street, now you know I would just kind of let you go on your own way. Right. Exactly. You mm-hmm. have to have that prudence to know when to speak, when not to, when mm-hmm. your words are going to do something good, when they're not. Um, for in my opinion, eighty percent of the time, if I say something to somebody uh, about the faith, it's because I do see an opening there. There's a humility there, and, mm-hmm. and it may actually help their soul. Every single time, pretty much, um, when I meet somebody and I don't think that me saying anything is going to help the situation, I just keep to myself. Yeah. Unless and it's pray a, for them. Exactly. And I pray for them unless it's an egregious thing where I just would feel absolutely horrible if I didn't at least say something. Can I? So actually, today I was reading Confessions uh, by St. Augustine. And St. Monica, his mom, you guys know the whole thing, how she prayed for him over and over. She went up to her local bishop and begged him and said, please go knock some sense into my son. Right. Like, go tell him how evil his ways are. And the bishop basically was like, lady, no. Like, I'm not going to do that. He said, go away and pray for him because his heart is not ready for that conversation. Wow. And, and he was right. Was really good. Wow. And then and then eventually he converted. That was very wise mm-hmm. yeah. of that bishop to do that and say mm-hmm. that. Because you're right. If you say things at the wrong time right. or if you just come off snobby, mm-hmm. like people, you have to be really careful nowadays because people want you to be snobby. There's a lot of people outside of the church that don't want to come back in the church. And the reason is, well, they're all snobby, mean, holier than thou people. Yeah. And the second you actually say anything, they have that filter of, oh, you're the Catholic police. Mm-hmm. In fact, right after my conversion, my family's nickname, bring that up. Yeah. My family's yeah. nickname for like two years was the Catholic police. And I wasn't going around preaching church teaching. I was just being myself. I wasn't, you know, they misunderstood me, I think. But people are just ready to just have that mentality and that um, to see you through that lens. So mm-hmm. we have to be very careful and prudent and gentle in how we talk to people. And like I said, for me, if there's if the person I'm talking to is not humble or open, I'm not going to say anything because it's not going to do any good unless in very rare circumstances there's something so egregious that I just feel, regardless of how they feel about it, I have to say something. Mm-hmm. In some rare circumstances, I still will say it. Um, I'm not big on conflict. I really do try to avoid conflict if I can. So most of the time I just don't if there's no opening. Um, so I think our verdict here is that, um, basically many less people are really holier than thou or feel that way than the world would think in the church. Although you will find a few and you should never stop coming to church because of people like that, because Mm -hmm. obviously they need the Lord a lot more than they think. And, um, they're not going to find him unless they're in church anyway. Maybe they're in church for the wrong reasons. Maybe they're in church to look good. Maybe they're in church to feel good and feel righteous and self-righteous. That is not why you go. You go because you need the Lord's forgiveness and you need the Lord's help and you need a good community to help build you up and you need the sacraments. So you just pray for them that they find that, um, you know, that might be their flaw. Like everyone's got their stuff they're working on. What those people are working on is probably the fact that they don't think they have anything to work on. <laughs> <laughs> True. What would you guys say to someone like that was in Ant's position um, with them like, oh, cover your ears or you know, something like that, who's trying to live out an authentic Christian life, and they, but they don't know how to navigate that. 
like maybe they're young, maybe they're just mm-hmm. coming into their conversion and they want to do the right thing and they want to love God and be faithful to him. And but words then, getting around that they are doing that, but they're kind of getting these backhanded like pushbacks. insults. Yeah, like, from the world. Like, yeah. So, okay, great. That's a great, great question. Um, there's so many people actually I know in that exact same situation where, or that I've seen throughout my years as a youth minister or a teacher in that situation. Good people trying to live out a holy life, but the people around them are pushing back and they're finding it hard to fit in. I would say be as loose as possible around people. Like, And by loose, I don't mean sin. You mm-hmm. always stand for the truth. You always be the best, most holiest version of yourself. But most of the time, the holiest version of ourselves is someone who's completely relaxed, completely at ease. Fully alive. Fully alive. Like you're willing to joke around. You're willing to laugh with people when your coworkers or your friends or whatever, whether you're a student, when they see that you're so loose and that you're so fun and you're in such a good, natural, normal mood – they won't think of you as like, oh, like the the holier Catholic person. They'll actually start right. to be inspired by your personality. They'll mm-hmm. know that you're into your faith. But instead of thinking, oh, they think they're better or they think they're, they're stiff or whatever, and we'll get to that point next. But instead of thinking those things, hopefully they'll be inspired by just how generally natural and fun and um, and normal you are, along with being super prayerful and super loving. And that could inspire them to come closer to God as well. Right. Because they can see that you're a normal guy Balance. and you still love yeah. love the Lord. Exactly. You have to have balance, like us roasting ourselves in the beginning. Yeah. Like, that's stuff we have to do. And last mm-hmm. podcast, like roasting, like, for lack of a better word, the crap out of ourselves. Yeah. You have to, you have to do stuff like that. You got to be yourself because then that, that burns, uh, that um, pulls down the walls of um, I don't know, awkwardness mm-hmm. or, or the assumptions people make yeah. uh, that don't fully know who you are uh, and may, not, may have some preconceived notions about you ahead of time. The saints were very natural. Our, uh, one of our patrons, the woman that caused our conversion, uh, we never met her, but we met her family. She's in the process of becoming a saint, servant of God, Maria Esperanza. She was all about being balanced and natural, being the holiest, best, most prayerful, most loving version of yourself. But that means laughing, joking, being at ease, feeling feeling the, the, the I don't want to say the vibe because that sounds new agey, <laughs> but feeling the, the, the get, getting the feel of a room mm-hmm. and knowing when to talk, when not the to. The spiritual temperature of a room that's perfect the yeah. spirit great great wow <laughs> that was really impressive thanks spiritual <laughs> temperature of a room and then through that natural goodness that you have that natural innocence that natural love and that joy which will come from your prayer life people will catch on and they'll want to come to mass with you instead of thinking oh they go to mass they'll think oh i kind of want to tag along yeah you know mm-hmm. i saw a definition for holiness once and it said holiness is being who you are and cutting out sin so just being well, your authentic self, but just nixing yeah. the sin. Right. That's that's as holy as you can possibly be. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I would and I would just add in there to have a great. The only way you're going to be able to do that is to have a great prayer life. Mm-hmm. And um, you do those things, you'll be you'll be golden. So, uh, number two, uh, another stereotype that constantly gets spoken of is that Christians or devout Catholics, whatever you want to say, religious people, they can't have fun or they're stiff. And that's almost the exact same thing. We don't have to spend too much time mm-hmm. on it. But what would you guys say to someone who says, oh, like, you know, you're into your faith. Oh, I wish I could be, but, you know, I just, uh, then I can't have fun. There's just too many things that I want to do that are fun that I can't do. Or that you just, you think they think you just stiff in general. You can't have fun, period, sinful or not sinful. Well, I think there's fun and then there's sin, you know? Yeah. And if you're just going to go out and get bombed <laughs> every night drinking alcohol, <laughs> um, well, then that's th- <laughs> a lot. That's, that's the definition of a lot of people's... Um, for fun, that's their definition. Yeah, but uh, but that's sinful. But you could also go out to a restaurant with them and have a couple beers. Right, and it should it should remain balanced like that. Right. Um, 
so yeah, it's it's not like you you can't have fun. Like, right. You know, you mm-hmm. just you just got to know the boundaries. Yeah, and I know that now that you can have fun, but I went through phases because when I had my conversion, um, I don't know what you guys know about faith development, but when your faith is brand new, it's not yours yet. You right. know, it's imitated. It's uh, it's what you see other people do, and you kind of copy it. It takes a few years until it's your own. So before my faith was my own, I went through a phase, one of my rings of faith development, where I was stiff with my faith. Um, this is maybe like six years ago where like I re- I thought that I had to be mm-hmm. like too proper and too perfect all the time. And it like took the life out of me. Um, so I went through that, too. Yeah. That, that's a, my legs and drinking coffee exactly. and trying to be like, <laughs> like so proper. Yeah. Like I was so trying putting to, on this holy image. Yeah. I was trying you so know? hard. Cause to I was holy. trying to be like a a friend of ours at the time who, yeah. who, who that was naturally was himself yeah. yeah he was, he was a holy dude but i thought i had to be like that right and i had to conform like rock to there's image. other ways to be holy <laughs> right <laughs> what rock is talking about is there's a seminarian who really great holy guy still a good friend of ours now priest now a priest um he you know he would always come to our meetings and he would he would cross his legs and drink coffee and very proper very, very proper, proper in the way yeah. he spoke very and smart very very smart guy and that and that's fine because that Lord. yeah yeah that but he was, was being he wasn't putting on an act exactly he was, being he was himself. actually being himself right. exactly and i thought i had to do that right <laughs> um it's so funny because um <laughs> i was told by so maria esperanza loved to wear big hats and i was told by i forget who told me this uh, but i was told that after people would meet maria esperanza um, there was a group of women that just would start wearing huge hats <laughs> to try to mimic, to try to mimic Maria Bronza. She's like, a trendsetter. Right. And other people that we, that we saw, we would go down to Venezuela for pilgrimages mm-hmm. and they would come back with Venezuelan accents <laughs> yeah. because subconsciously they were like associating being, because Maria Bronza was from Venezuela and all her family, her kids, grandkids are wonderful, amazing people. Like these are the people that you want to imitate the Batania foundation down there. Super holy, fun, balanced people. But without realizing it, I don't blame them for it. I don't yeah. think they were trying to put on a show. It's just all subconscious. People started talking in Venezuelan <laughs> accents. Like, Venezuelan. Like, can you give an example? Yes. Like, uh, well, okay. I'm going to bust on them. Um, one of our best friends went down to Venezuela. He came back up. He went down for like a week or two. Came back up, and he was asked to lead a, uh, a group. And people said, hey, how was your trip to Venezuela? Seeing Maria Esperanza's family. And he was, oh, yes, we had such a great time. And it was just wonderful. <laughs> it was just terrific. And just just lovely time. Oh, and man. Like, so, so nice. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it was so good. Oh, man. And me and the three of us are looking at him like, because he was a really good friend of ours, like, what <laughs> you, you went to venezuela for two and weeks you do not actually have to sound like that it's because the happy holy people down there that we met we who, just wanted to be like who them. speak two languages by the way exactly <laughs> yeah. so that's why they, they have an smarter accent than us. of course <laughs> yeah. right we saw something very beautiful in them because they inspired us and uh, a lot of people in our group um subconsciously just wanted to be like them personality wise no, <laughs> holiness is not changing your personality at all. You have to be completely yourself. Holiness is, as you said, Ant, being the most prayerful, best version of yourself that avoids sin, and um, and then you light up from the inside out. You become the person that you were always meant to be. You become most fully yourself. John Paul II says that Christ, and I believe Vatican II is a huge theme in Vatican II, Jesus reveals man to himself. When you know God, you start to overcome your sins. You start praying more and you really have a true relationship with the Lord, you start to literally light up and become the best version you were always meant to be, the, your truest self, I should say. So your truest self wants to have fun, um, not non-sinful fun, but um, just 
being fun. I mean, like when you're when you're your true self and you're natural and relaxed, as we said before, you are having fun. And in fact, I would say when you're your truest self and you have the Lord in your heart, you have so much fun and you feel so good that you don't need this the the quote unquote fun of sin. Right. You feel so good. It's less appealing. Exactly. Like when we had our conversions, um, people say, "Well, you can't have fun anymore." I had more fun shortly after our conversions with the young adult group that we had mm-hmm. and the prayer, the prayer groups and we you know we we would have our prayer group we'd pray the rosary we'd socialize afterwards we'd tease each other we'd mess with each other we'd laugh we'd eat we'd go out to restaurants sometimes we would um, play basketball mm-hmm. till like 11:30 at night afterwards and we'd talk into the park talk in the parking lot joke around and crack up for an hour till 12 o'clock 12:30 at night you know after these meetings i was having a ton of fun there and i would bet if you had a fun meter that you could like like a fun meter that like scientists developed to measure somebody's fun that they're having in their brains. I, be- I, I fully, I fully believe these, this fun meter would show that we were having a lot more fun than most college kids our age. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'll never forget those times. I Monday nights. I used to love that. I would, we would get home. Like you said, Dan, like sometimes at one o'clock in the morning Yeah. and I would stop at Wawa and get a bagel with cream cheese on the way back. And mm-hmm. it was, it was just a great time. And it made me who I am today. So yeah. Yeah. It was back fun. when calories weren't a problem. Yeah. Now yeah, I honestly just- like, at that age, a lot of later teens or people in their early 20s start experimenting with, with things like alcohol, and alcohol was never, ever, ever involved. Right. No. Like, I That's remember, a good point. you know, people would hang out at my house, uh, people would hang out at each other's houses, and alcohol was never, ever And involved. we were of age, and it's yeah, not we were like of age. we weren't saying, like, oh, keep it away. Exactly. Yeah. But it's just, I didn't even think of it. Yeah. The yeah. reason is, you're right, Aunt, you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. It wasn't because we were holier than thou. Yeah. Or, no, we can't have fun. We can't drink alcohol. We didn't need it. Yeah. We felt so good because mm-hmm. we had Christ in our hearts and a great community that we just never thought about it. It was mm-hmm. like, and that's how it should be. You know, when you overcome your sins, you have a conversion experience. It's not that you just say no, say no, say no. There are some times where you have to just hunker down and say no to sins. But by and large, the sins just kind of fall off naturally as you pray more as you connect with the Lord more because you just don't need those sins anymore. Mm-hmm. You just don't need them. He makes you happy. God makes you truly and deeply happy. And like, you just don't need and sin. Sin, sins. Don't fulfill you. You think that it will like any sin. You think that it's going to fulfill you, but it doesn't. Right. You know, doesn't leave you satisfied. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, never, never could. We're mm-hmm. not made for sin. We're made for the love of God. And only that deep kind of love that Christ can give that can be found with good people. That is where that love will be found. All right. Number three. And Rock mentioned this one. This is his his point that he brought up right before the podcast. The third stereotype is that um, well, this one maybe can be about Catholics in general, but you could say all religious people. They're naive about life and naive about sin. They have this innocent view of the world, and you know everything's just so nice and innocent. And then the second you know um, the smallest kind of sin you know, comes into their life where they hear about the smallest kind of sin. They're just absolutely shocked and just like, oh my gosh, just, just not realistic. They're not realists. Devout Christians don't have a realistic as, uh, idea of life or or about the actions of human beings and they're just scandalized by things. Rock, you brought up um, a Billy Joel song. By the way, yeah. Billy Joel is, uh, we're, we're all a fan of Billy Joel, Rock. <laughs> I don't know if you want to say a word about your love for Billy Joel. Love Billy Joel. He actually inspired me to, to play piano. Never played an instrument, and maybe when I was in my later 20s, uh, he was the reason I, I started playing piano. And I, I just relate to him as a storyteller. Obviously, I'm the, I'm the videographer and editor, so storytelling holds a very deep place in my heart. And I just relate to him as a poet and a lyricist and a storyteller, so 
Uh, yeah, very fond of him. It's and there's one, one song you brought up that really delineates. Only the Good Die Young. And a lot of people don't know that that song is actually about losing your virginity, correct? Yeah, Only the Good Die Young. It's, no. just, it's just kind of on the surface for a lot of people. <laughs> and you, 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 what you hear is, is what it means, but that's actually not the case. It goes deeper than that. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I, I was listening to that song like my whole life growing up. I always loved that song. And I thought he was saying Only the Good Dial, like on a phone. Because I was like, I remember being like four or five years old, like, oh, yeah, Only the Good Dial. Like he's calling somebody. Um, and then I, I realized he's saying Only the Good Die Young. And I started to listen to the lyrics. And I was like, whoa <laughs> like Whoops. this is this is a he's this, this is a really uh aggressive song here you know and the whole idea is that he's trying to and i want to say woo. appropriately just, just he's say trying woo. to woo a innocent catholic girl into um you know a doing premarital a, a, a premarital <laughs> relationship yeah. that's probably not even a relationship yeah um which means he's trying to use her and he's pretty much just saying look like it's the whole premise of the song is you catholic girls start much too late like it's gonna happen you think you think you have this beautiful innocent life. You're gonna lose your innocence. Everybody does. It's only a matter of time. You might as well lose it with me. A lot of people think that that good Catholics are like that. Aunt, you mentioned before. Oh, cover your ears. You're about to say something you don't want to mm-hmm. hear. Are Catholics or devout Catholics or devout Christians, you could say, innocent or I should say, too innocently naive about life? Can they be that way? Have you seen that? Uh, they're just scandalized very easily by life by sin. They don't have a good grip on reality. What is your take on that? I've seen it. And so it definitely exists. However, I think it's not a good thing that it exists. I'm not saying that they should go out and sin and and like, just let all the sin come to them. Of course. But I I think just the judgmental and just the shock at sin is what's there. And I I think sometimes I've seen people run like sprint away from sin, which is good. Like again, I'm not saying go sin, right? But I think we're supposed to be in the world again. Maria Esperanza used to say, "Be in the world." Goes back to balance. Yeah, yeah. In the world, but not of the world. Yeah, it's a common common Christian saying in general. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah, Uh, I, I, yeah, I've seen it. It Depends on the person. I think if you're asking, like some, some, I don't want to say sheltered Catholics that have been kind of sheltered from the world. One one problem I've noticed is that you have so many people that are um, like homeschooled, for instance. Now. In our culture, I, I think homeschooling is a very, very viable option mm-hmm. because there is so much sin out there. Um, but sometimes, you know, you have someone that's sheltered from the world. They go to college and um, super devout, super traditional Catholic, which is beautiful. Uh, but then because they've they've had it their entire life, they almost don't know what else is out there. Mm-hmm. And they kind of rebel and a little rebel, bit. Yeah. Right. Whereas our experience was as Catholics was completely different. You know, we... We're not into our faith throughout all of high school. We did commit the typical high school sins that one would commit and early college sins. And then we had our world rocked when we met the family of a saint and a very special priest and a wonderful group at our church and had some supernatural experiences on top of that. So I, I love our, our conversions because we were able to taste what the world says and what, what evil says will make you happy, those kinds of sins. And we were able to realize mm, they don't make you happy at all. I feel kind of empty doing these things. I feel really good when I pray, when I'm around a good group of, fam- of of people at my church, like a family, when I'm experiencing these cool supernatural things that God was kind of romancing us with. So these things are what makes you happy. Um, so we were able to see the, the you know both sides of it and never look back. So I do think in rare situ- situations there are some devout Catholics that are very innocently naive about 
Uh, and that's not a bad thing. Actually, it's, I'd rather be innocent and a little naive than just, like knowledge have knowledge of every sin out there because I've done them all the time, you know. Um, I do think it's out there, um, but not too many. I think most most Christians are pretty grounded. They kind of know our sin is so pervasive in our world through social media, through the internet, through movies and songs, and it's just everywhere, right? That I feel like most Christians, most Catholics have a pretty good grip of reality. They know what they're trying to say no to. They understand how people are. They understand human nature. They understand original sin, and they want to overcome it. Um, yeah. And one thing I notice about the people that I do know that are kind of like just shocked and that like appalled at like the world or like if they see like a sin, you know, I think what that can also boil down to is what I've noticed, and, and this is not a blanket statement, uh, but I feel like once you go through something really difficult in your life, whether it's spiritual or in, on a personal level, it kind of brings you to a different level of maturity. Right. So the people that I know that were like that, I know for a fact that they never went through anything really hard in their, right. in their yeah, life. Yeah, that's true. That's so it's true, like once once you statement. go through, so sometimes like that might not even be because of their faith or because they're sheltered. That could just be a lack of life experience. Yeah, just general maturing throughout mm-hmm. life. And this does not mean you ever fall into sin or you always want to grow spiritually. Yeah. You always overcome sins, but you just tend to see more of things and you kind of understand how people are, how mm-hmm. people react. Uh, I'm thinking of... Um, you're more stable. Like you're, like you're less rocked by like some other person once you have more experience, more life experience. Exactly. You yeah. know what? That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Is a, a great example would be a young. They see this all the time. A young person joins a church group. They have a conversion like we do. They think everyone at the church is so perfect and so amazing. And just mm-hmm. oh my gosh, look how amazing all these people are. And guess what? No one's close to perfect. Jesus said, "Call no man your father on earth. You have one father in heaven." And he said it because no one's perfect and everyone's got their stuff that they're, that they're working on. And then what happens is this person thinks everyone's so holy, and then they realize even the whole, some people aren't so holy. Some people have double lives in the church. Some people are holy, but they do have their flaws, and as we all do, and there's stuff they're working on. But they're absolutely, utterly shocked when they realize this. Oh, my gosh, that person seems so holy. I can't believe I saw them. I saw a, a, on their Snap story they are out at a club. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, you know, maybe that person – is going through a lull in their faith. They probably right. shouldn't be at the club. I'm not mm-hmm. condoning that. It's probably yeah. a mistake, probably a bit of a sin, but mm-hmm. like we all sin. Right. Pray for them. Don't be shocked. It, we, you have your sins too. And I feel like humility helps with that too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you know how your own sins and mm-hmm. all the things that you could do, whether they're big or small, yeah. you shouldn't be shocked if it happens in bigger ways exactly. than other people around your church. That's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, what, what would you guys say is a way to overcome um, this i think kind of what you said earlier by not taking yourself so seriously too or not taking others so seriously yeah yeah that's a great point Mm -hmm. um yeah you know we all have our stuff Mm -hmm. every single as we said every single person has sin we saint paul says we're all short we've all fallen short we all need a savior we all need the lord i mean (laughs) when you go to church on saturday at 3 p.m. and there's confessions and there's only two people in line, I guarantee you it's not because all the other hundreds of people in your parish didn't <laughs> sin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's because they're so far, they don't even realize they don't even care. You right. know? Yeah. The two people in line, are. it's great that they're there. Mm-hmm. God is so happy they're there because they're aware of their sin and they're working. That's the best we can yep. do. So if you do see some things that quote-unquote scandalize you, whether they're huge sins that people commit or middle-of-the-line sins that you just weren't expecting a holy person to have, just think of your own sins. Remember that Christ and Mary alone are the only sinless ones and uh, just pray for them. Don't and, worry about it. And this is why we worship God because like people will let you down. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And instead of ha- putting up walls and, you know, having trust issues and freaking out, just be like, Oh, I was expecting that. You know, like there's, everyone's got their stuff. Even right. the holiest person, you know, even the saints, 
Now, the Saints reached levels of holiness that were incredible, like way beyond things that we can compare. So I don't want to diminish that in any way to the point where like they're, you know, by locating and stuff. However, even Padre Pio admitted he had a temper, mm-hmm. you know? Um, some people left Padre Pio's confessional like, bro, he was kind of mean to me. Mm-hmm. In his defense, most of the time he read their heart and they needed to be shaken up a little bit. Right. Um, however, he even said sometimes he just like lost a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, it would be it would just be so nice to to hear about the more about the struggles and the dark side of like the saints because I I think a lot of people would relate to them more, right? Like, you know, because we put them on all the way up here. Yeah. Yeah. And they were elevate them so much, help, and they Rob. were. But for that reason, people can't connect with them on a, on a human level. Yeah, you and know, they get discouraged and and all that, and so what would you? I don't, I don't know. I just, well, here's I, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> People might, if you actually put Padre Pio's flaws out there, and he did have them, they were so little that like. I think people might be intimidated. But even more discouraged. Even more discouraged. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, wait, all he did was, like, flip out once and he shouldn't yeah. have? Oh, crap. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, however, here's what I will say that should make someone feel better. The saints themselves were never, ever freaked out at the sins of others. Mm-hmm. The holiest person, if they, if they, if Padre Pio read somebody's heart and saw that they had sins, he didn't, he wasn't freaked out at all. He saw it coming. He knew that we were all sinful. Uh, you really, you really couldn't freak out any of the saints because they were so aware of our human condition, and because they were so humble, they, as holy as they were, they didn't realize they were holy. So because they didn't realize they were holy and they were so humble about things and about themselves, nothing else that anybody did ever really affected them too much. And this reminds me of the Old Testament patriarchs: Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, and Jacob. Oh yeah. So I teach them to my sixth graders, and I, I'm always sure to include their flaws mm-hmm. because I'm not just trying to gossip about them be like, Oh, Abraham had impatience. <laughs> right. Like, but I tell them that because like, okay, look, here was this dude and he was flawed, mm-hmm. but look how God used him. Exactly. And, and look how much faith he had and like stuff like that. So it's, it's sometimes it's good to see the flaws. Moses murdered a and guy. We, and yeah. We do, and we do hear about the dark side of a lot of saints like St. Mm-hmm. Augustine and St. Paul. Oh yeah. Especially before yeah. their conversions. Yeah. And I would say great point. Even after their conversions, mm-hmm. They were on a whole different level, but they the point remains that they still had their flaws. Yeah. So it literally has nothing to do about you being qualified or perfect. Right. Even though the saints reached incredible heights of holiness after Christ came, they still weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, number four, and we got it. Wow, we're 42 minutes in. Wow, okay, number four. Uh, the idea that cr- Christians just blindly obey rules out of fear, maybe out of fear of hell. Like most Christians, most Catholics, they don't really care about God. They're not really that loving. They're just there blindly following these dumb made up rules because they're afraid of some made up hell. Uh, or maybe they're blindly following rules that are not made up and hell is real, but that's why they're doing it. Uh, do you see this a lot or not? Yes. And I, I <laughs> and I would say that they're probably lukewarm. And like if you're just doing this stuff, just so like you don't get punished if you don't, and so you don't go to hell like that's that's kind of weak I, I see it especially a lot with christmas and easter oh yeah <laughs> yes, the are, are <laughs> because packed. that's just the thing to do you and know you gotta to be me you gotta conform to the image oh <laughs> I, I i made my uh easter or christmas obligation <laughs> right so you're good for the year he's <laughs> good for the year yeah. <laughs> but you know even maybe like half people at mass i don't know even on every sunday mass yeah i was gonna say on yeah. sundays i don't want to put percentages out there i have no idea like and i'm not I, I the judge but they're gonna get their credit too it's like i've said this before it's like a math problem it's like you get the right answer but you did the wrong work yeah so like god's still gonna acknowledge it and see that you know they cared at least a little bit but yeah if you're just following rules because you're afraid of punishment then your heart's in the wrong spot yeah, I do think there's something to be said about even if you're not feeling it, you don't really love God that much. You love him enough to 
make the effort to get yeah. up on a Sunday morning in a culture that completely would say don't go and go. However, and that's like any relationship or like a marriage. Like let's say it's year forty of your marriage, you're not going to be feeling like all the excitement. You're not going to feel like doing something <laughs> mm-hmm. loving for that's your spouse, but because you love your spouse, you do it anyway. That's very true. Um, I think that there's definitely something to be said about that. But I also think that if people truly understood what was going on at Mass with the Eucharist, the readings, really, really, really actually just the Eucharist. I mean, the readings are really important. But if you knew what the Eucharist was and fully understood it, I mean, that church would be overflowing. There would have to be 10, 11 Masses every single weekend Mm -hmm. for every parish because people would be overflowing to get in the door. So I do think this comes from a um, lack of catechesis. Like, people don't really understand what the Eucharist is. They don't understand how much the Lord really does love them and how good they will feel if they open their hearts and do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Too many people get up and just go just to go. And that's great. Like, like you said, good job. But if, if you fully understood how much, <laughs> like God just says, good job, pal. <laughs> good job. <laughs> but you know, God wants to make you feel good. Like, and it's not about feelings. It really isn't, but he wants to give you graces and too many people will walk away. I should say it this way with less graces mm-hmm. because they weren't really paying attention. They didn't really open up their heart. They weren't in a really good, spiritual zone when they received the eucharist they weren't following it up with prayer afterwards if we were to do those things maybe like read the lives of the saints every now and then along with going to mass hit up mass more than once a week pray the rosary when you get home whatever like go to a bible study i don't know watch an uplifting religious movie i don't anything like this we'd be getting a lot more out of mass and Mm -hmm. it'd be less and less people going because they feel they have to to avoid hell and more and more people going because they genuinely love god and feel the graces and are getting graces from going Mm mm-hmm um, so I guess that is the solution right there is, um, if you, if you're going to mass just cause you don't want to go to hell or cause this is what you've done. Well, that's good too. Good. Like, yeah. so give yourself credit where credit's due. Yeah. Don't stop going. You yeah. actually have a, a, a natural holy fear of the Lord because you, you don't want to be separated from him for and, all eternity. And, right. And so God you're actually fearing that. hell. There's people I've talked to, um, throughout my life that literally just say, Oh, I'm going to hell anyway. I don't care. Yeah. It's really <laughs> That's sad. sad. And it, it's true. it's, it's so very sad. sad. And like, they just turned a blind eye to it. So the yeah. fact that even if you are going, even if it is on the surface, like there's still and you're time, going buddy. to avoid hell. That actually means you're afraid of being separated from God for all eternity, which is pretty holy. Yeah. It's a holy yeah. fear, uh, you know, a little bit at yeah. least. Yeah. So uh-huh. it's certainly a start. It reminds me of there's two kinds of ways to be sorry, to be contrite. There's imperfect contrition, which means you're going to confession because you know what you did is wrong and you don't want to go to hell and you're scared of what's going to happen, which the church says is acceptable. Mm-hmm. You can go to confession and be absolved and be forgiven if that's why you went. But what you want to aim for is perfect contrition, meaning you go to confession not because you're scared of hell, of course, but because you are, you contrite. love God and you're truly sorry. You don't want to hurt him and you want whoever whoever you hurt, you know, you, you just feel bad for that because you love these people and you love God. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to do it. And that's how you should do it with your faith when it comes to Mass. And if you're not feeling that, I would say that maybe God wants to open your heart up a little more. Ask him what kind of things you can do to open your heart up a little more when you go to Mass. Maybe your priest has the worst homilies ever, and you can barely understand anything he's saying. I mean, that's okay, because you're still getting the Eucharist. So just maybe say some prayers beforehand, follow it up with prayer afterwards. Do other things to get your heart in the right zone so you get the right graces out of Mass. So you come away feeling great, not feeling like you just went because you had to. Yep. Okay, we'll take a very quick break, and then we're going to get on to our last segment of the day. It's been a good one so far. Stay tuned. All right, and now we are back after that short little music thing, and we are into the segment called... Bucket 
of Saints. No. Bucket O Saints. Saint Cup is Saint what we've been Cup. calling oh, it. We, oh, we both got it wrong. We've yeah. been calling it that for the last four podcasts. I don't think that was ever formally established. That's what we called it. But it's oh. it's been informally established. Sure. <laughs> All right, Rock. Rock's going to pick a saint from a cup. We have a bunch of little pieces of paper with saints in them. We don't know which one he's going to pick. There's like 31 or 32 in there. Right. And we're going to talk about the random saint. We'll let the Holy Spirit decide. Saint Maria Goretti. Saint Ooh. Maria Goretti. Nice. She's a good one. Wow, we could go on for days about her. Mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> that none of us say anything. <laughs> know a whole lot about her. I do know that um, she was murdered, correct? Yep. Because she mm-hmm. refused to engage in sexual relations with Which a guy. Which goes back Which, to the point that we mentioned earlier. Yes. The Billy Joel point. Exactly. Yeah. I was just yeah. thinking only wow. the good and die she young. Gave her and life she literally, to, oh my wow, God. The she Holy gave Spirit her life really. to God for yeah. that. Yeah, and she was. I think she was. Was she eleven or? F- she was 14? eleven or twelve. She, yeah, she was. I don't think she was more than twelve. I think she was twelve. Yeah. So, okay. And she was good. <laughs> oh my gosh, she was yeah. good, and she died young. Maybe. And we... she refused the sexual advances of someone who who was trying to abuse her. Wow, that just totally you yep. know take that Billy Joel. <laughs> like by the way, Man, we got to pray for Billy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely nothing against Billy Joel as a person. Like I will pray for him, and he's a wonderful musician. And you know, so anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, sorry Billy Joel. But, but if but, you're but, listening to this, if you're listening to this, on your which, ride to work tomorrow, right? <laughs> you're riding gu- to Madison Square Garden <laughs> this week to play, you know, to give a concert. I guarantee Billy Joel is not listening. But if he somehow would be Billy Joel, you should just prayerfully consider the catholic faith and the beauty behind it and we'll pray for you ever hears this and you're you're a great musician we love your music okay (laughs) so um what happened with maria Goretti was she was um a a poor uh 11 year old girl her dad had had died a few years before uh this incident um like i said she might have been 12 i can't remember she's 12 or 11 one of the two and there was a 19 year old neighbor of hers they both live in the same farming community Alessandro. Yes, his name was Alessandro. His his dad was um, abusive, an abusive drunk, and so Alessandro was a very wounded, uh, messed up kid growing up. Although her family, her mom trusted Alessandro and his dad obviously because they had known each other for years uh, as neighbors, uh, working together in the same field. And one day, Alessandro um, approached Maria Goretti while she was alone, I believe, sewing in her room and mm-hmm. in, in in her house, and everyone else, I believe, was out in the fields or somewhere. And he approached her, and um, I'll try to be as appropriate as possible, but he made sexual advances at her, and she said no. She denied him. Uh, after he attempted to rape her, she continued to deny his sexual advances. And here's the amazing part. She didn't do it because she didn't like him, which I'm obviously sure was the case, and because she didn't want to, obviously, but because she did not want him to go to hell. Yeah. She was mm. saying, like, you have wow. to stop. And obviously, she, and but it's not because she was worried about her own safety. Right. She was saying you have to stop because this is a sin. Yeah. And you could lose your soul. I know. That's wow. amazing. Yeah. This twelve-year-old girl saying, mm-hmm. "You, I don't want, I don't want like the person attacking her. I don't want you to go to hell." Right. That's why I should stop. That's yeah. first off. That's giving me chills. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing. Um, and so he was not able to, um, to get what he wanted from her, mm-hmm. and um, he ended up going into a rage. Um, that's what the devil does. Um, when the devil will try to seduce you in all kinds of ways in your own spiritual life. And when you say no, he may go into a little bit of a rage and kind of throw everything he has at you. If you can say no to that last strong temptation, then you overcome the sin usually for a long time. Usually mm-hmm. God gives it grace. It's just something that happens in the spiritual life. But anyway, he does go into a rage. He shows us true colors that the, the, whatever was haunting him, the darkness haunting him. 
Um, and she and he uh, he stabbed her. I think. I think one for each year, so it was either eleven or twelve. It was like eleven or twelve times, yeah. yeah. Um, and left her there, and um, her family rushed her to the hospital uh, or to the doctor. Okay, because she didn't die immediately. <laughs> right, she did mm-hmm. not die immediately. She's on her deathbed, and I don't know if you want to talk about what she. Yeah, so deathbed. she was getting operated on, and they didn't have time. I don't know if they had the technology to do anesthesia back then, but she was awake while she was being operated on. And she kept telling the doctors and the nurses, please pray for Alessandro. He might lose his soul. He needs to go to confession. Please pray for him. And, like, these are her last moments. Like, and that, those, that's what she was concerned with. Wow. I would be thinking mm-hmm. about myself. Right. Um, and that was, she wow. was not doing that at all. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe she said uh, she wanted him in he- She knew she was yeah. dying. They said, mm-hmm. you know, she said, I want him in heaven with me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You wow. Know? So she ended up passing away. Mm-hmm. He's in prison. Yeah, for a long time. Long time. Mm -hmm. And for years, he was... Unrepentant. Completely unrepentant. I read somewhere that it said that he said that he would do it again if he had the chance. Really? Yeah. So that's how unrepentant he was. That's a whole new kind of low, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for years, he was like this. And I I believe you tell the story a little differently. Here's how I read Mm -hmm. it. Go ahead. Um, When when reading about her, I read that he had a dream. And he was in a field. And... um, and she, this is only, first off, only about 100 and so years ago. Maybe yeah, early 1900s. Yeah, like yeah. 110 years ago maybe. So not too long. We have photographs of obviously Alessandro. I don't know if we have any photos of Maria Goretti, but um, not too long ago. So it's very, you could look up the story for the straight facts. But um, he's in a field in the dream, bright field, and he sees Maria come towards him. And she's in a white gown, which is always symbolizes purity in our faith. And she's radiating all kinds of innocent light. Uh, and he said the light was just like ext- extremely strong and like there's kind of a love just pouring off of her. And apparently she gave him either a lily. Lily, because it represents purity. Okay, yeah, she mm-hmm. gave him a lily and said something like, I told you that I, I, I want you in heaven with me. I'm not going to rest until you're in heaven with me or something like that when she said. She gave, he, um, she gave him the lily and something touched his heart in this moment. He woke up and apparently he just cried for days and days and days, tears of repentance and sorrow and couldn't get the dream out of his mind. Is that how you heard it? Yeah, my, the what what I heard from the dream is that when he reached for the lily, that it burst into flames. Oh, okay. kind of like signifying the state of his soul. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That could that could mm-hmm. also be the case. Um, so he's crying and crying for days, tears of repentance, uh, tears of sorrow, tears of contrition, true contrition, mm-hmm. perfect contrition, yeah. not imperfect contrition, as we said, true sorrow for what he did out of love of her and love of, love of God. He had a major conversion mm-hmm. from this. Dream. Went to confession too, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Went to confession, and he was so good after this. Mm-hmm. He became such a good person. He was released from prison early mm-hmm. for good behavior, and he sat next to Maria Goretti's mom at her canonization mass in Rome, I believe in 1950 or so, around yep. that time, wow. when, when she was made a saint. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, if I don't, <laughs> if that doesn't sum up our Catholic faith, not only the purity but the forgiveness mm-hmm. yeah. and the love behind it, mm-hmm. I don't know what does. Yeah. Just I can't imagine that level of forgiveness. Like I can remember in third grade when someone called me a doo doo head like you know what I mean like <laughs> and just like things are hard to forgive it's it's hard to forgive when, when we're hurt right so she was literally physically hurt and she's still to the point of her death and she still was able to forgive and you know that reminds me of christ because that's that's what he did in his last moments he said forgive them for they know not what they do and if people were spitting at me and, and nailing me to a, a tree <laughs> i don't i wouldn't be saying that but but that's not only forgive but desire that he be in heaven right right you know that's that's pretty deep, and and you know like people always say like oh we have to imitate Christ we we have to be like Christ well this is how like 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 yes. that's how you imitate him yes but forgive someone so 
if there's someone, the listener right now, if there's someone on your mind that has hurt you, I think this is your sign from God to forgive them. Even if it was egregious, even if it was really hard, just do your best to forgive them and mm-hmm. ask God to help you and just get that weight off your shoulders. Yep. And forgiving, I don't need to spend time on this, but forgiving doesn't mean like it's okay for them to do it yeah, again. You don't got to go be best friends with them again. Yeah. You don't have to let them yeah. do it again. Like mm-hmm. you need to get away from this person because yeah. it's something egregious they did to you. No, mm-hmm. like by all means, get right. away. Yeah. Stay away. <laughs> exactly. Forgiveness yeah. just means you're letting it off your chest. You're mm-hmm. not going to hate them anymore. You're not yeah. going to, you're not going to like, the anger only weighs you down. Mm-hmm. You're going to give it to Jesus. You're going to forgive like him and you're going to wish for their best and pray for them. Yeah. You can, if you need to stay away from them, that means staying away from them, but do it. And if forgive. Maria Gretti can forgive the person who stabbed her to death, then I think we can forgive the people who have hurt us. Exactly. And mm-hmm. she was only able to do it through Christ. Yep. She was very prayerful. She prayed the rosary all the time. You, you read the stories about how she was before this incident. She was for a 12 year old, extremely advanced spiritually. So if you're having some trouble with it, always just rely on the Lord, get a good prayer life get to confession yourself and that grace to forgive will come and it will feel so good. It'll feel so good. Um, so wonderful stuff. Maria Goretti, let's close with a closing prayer. Rock, you want to lead us? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. And of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for, um, this podcast tonight. We pray always for our listeners that they may always be inspired, um, with hope. Uh, as they listen to our podcast, please help us to always carry out normal, balanced, yet holy lives uh, day to day. And uh, we ask that uh, St. Maria Goretti pray for us and for all of our listeners this evening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and at the the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless.